Get autographed copies of New York Times bestselling author Cynthia Bryan's books at www.starstyleradio.com. Get inspired and motivated to be your best self with Be The Star You Are, 99 Gifts, and Be The Star You Are for Teens. Buy cases at a deep discount to give away as gifts and premiums. Visit www.starstyleradio.com or call 925-377-STAR. 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 have a plan for your life. You've set goals. You know where you want to go. Congratulations on finding Star Style. Be the star you are. Our vibrant hosts, passion, purpose, and possibility producer Cynthia Bryan and her energetic daughter, healthy living specialist Heather Brittany, share the best roads, fastest detours, and successful strategies for a life worth living. Reach your potential with their personal achievement coaching, miracle moments, inspiring guests, titillating interviews, and business bites. Be introduced to new books and innovative ideas that encourage you to live a positive, sustainable lifestyle while achieving your dreams. Ignite your power, make a difference in the world, and shoot for the stars. It's the power hour of living, loving, laughing, and learning. On Star Style, be the star you are. Lend us your ears. The party starts now. Never say never. Live your dream. Welcome, Power Partners, and welcome to our party. This is an informational playground called Star Style. Be the star you are. We are brought to you live under the auspices of Be the Star You Are charity from the Voice America Empowerment Channel. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Whitney. And we strive to seed and stimulate and support space for meaningful and fun conversations. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Be The Star You Are Charity, empowering women, family, and youth for increased literacy, positive media, and providing tools for living since 1999. Make a donation today at bethestaryouare.org. And this is from Robin Williams. Spring is nature's way of saying, let's party. (laughs) That's a perfect one for today. First of all, both Heather and I have worked with Robin Williams, right? And being around Robin is a party like like the whole time. You can't believe you're getting paid to work with him. And also, spring has definitely sprung. So in today's show, we are going to talk about going into the garden and this lovely time in nature and what you can expect out there. We are also going to have a lot of fun with Seventeen Magazine Summer Club author Amali Howard, who comes to us from Trinidad in the Caribbean. And now she lives in New York. But she is just this awesome author of Alpha Goddess, Waterfowl, Bloodspell, The Almost Girl, and The Upcoming Oceanborn, and she's a dynamo, so we're going to find out how this globetrotter enchants her readers and her young adults, but right now, Heather is going to be talking about something that can, you know, that we probably don't even think about that much, and that is non-invasive tests that we get to detect underlying diseases you know, besides like normal blood pressure and cholesterol and blood workups, that might not be good for us. So, Heather, 
We are um, kind of a, a country that we run to the doctor a lot for <laughs> almost everything, but doctors are warning now that some of the common medical tests that we retur- retur- routinely take here in America might be doing more harm than good, and they definitely waste billions of healthcare dollars annually, and you know they might be even endangering our health or our life. So. We know that tests can be valuable when they're necessary, but what are some of the ones we really don't need and that we're actually doing? Yeah, and, you know, one thing, there's also, there's a bunch of tests that are out there that um, potentially that, you know, are less invasive um, and they could be underlying causes for things, you know, tests that potentially could save our lives that are things we could basically do at home um, before, you know, heading to the doctor and having, you know, all these, uh, you know, sometimes very invasive tests that can be taken. And sometimes as we realize that, you know, we're constantly receiving new information about what um, is supposed to be, uh, you know, when we're supposed to have these tests or how often, and they keep kind of always going back on their word. Um, because there are some home tests you could do, some non-invasive things um, that could, you know, save you uh, an initial trip to, um, and going to the doctor and seeing if you need to proceed with anything. One thing is, you know, with um, dementia. And, you know, how uh, dementia, as we know, is that, you know, we think of, of memory loss with a lot of things and, um, and confusion and people, you know, having a hard time uh, remembering things. And, um, you know, right now they say that, you know, there's, um, you know, rare diseases that, you know, cause, uh, you know, affect different lobes of the brain. And um, a lot of times, you know, people might go in for slightly invasive, you know, scanning, and um, there's really no way to detect these things. It's oftentimes a hereditary thing. But one thing you can kind of do is just sort of, uh, you know, detecting with your brain of how you are with your day-to-day um, memorizations of things is um, trying to play almost like the game memory, you know, where you flip over the cards and you try to figure out who's who and match the people. So they say that in recent studies, they said, you know, grab a magazine and flip through it and try to name, you know, the like four celebrities that are on the cover, you know, who, you know without looking at uh, the names. That, and they say, you know, if you can't do that or if, or if you're shown pictures of family, friends, if you can't name them and you get, they had a different scaling things of uh, you would get a point if you could name, uh, you know, the first name or you could get a point if you could name uh, the last name as well. Um, but if you couldn't name it, you know, you lose points on this and based on the negative score. Um, the thing that kind of shows is if you can't remember these people, and though it is kind of skewed, if you don't know celebrity people to begin with, start with, you know, potentially people you would know. Um, they said that if you couldn't remember this, if you scored, you know, a lower than 50% score, this could mean that there could be an underlying neurological um, condition and that you should probably have an evaluation with this. And this said that, you know, to really do this with people um, between the ages of 35 and 60, when you should be able to recall names and especially, you know, the last names and, and be able to um, quickly kind of identify these things. Um, another thing is kind of assessing your sleep. Um, when you think of Parkinson's disease, um, we know Parkinson's disease, you know, as uh, we think with the shaking of the hands and, um, you know, Michael J. Fox, you know, has become a, a really big uh, advocate and, and sort of the voice um, the face for this because he was affected at such a young age. And oftentimes you don't think of that as, you know, someone in their 30s getting it. Um, and as we know, many things have different symptoms and it's hard to detect. But one thing that they say is that 
Um, with Parkinson's, uh, that uh, sometimes it could affect with how you're sleeping, with your, how your REM sleep. And as we know, REM is your rapid eye movement. That's your dream state. That's your most deepest form of sleep. And we've always talked about um, T for twos of how um, how important you know getting the correct amount of sleep and how it affects just your overall. How it puts you at higher risk of heart attacks and depression and stress and obesity with not getting enough. Um, but when they think that, you know, uh, people, what they discovered in these certain kind of test studies um, is that people who are more likely to uh, have abnormal um, REM sleep, you know, their dreaming stage, um, as well as loss of uh, smell, having difficulty smelling, and uh, as well as constipation to be something related to it. And smell um, is something I'll kind of touch on. And it's is, is oftentimes um, a big indicator for many things when you have a loss of smell because that is something that is connected um, neurologically. When you can't smell things, oftentimes um, they said that sometimes people, when they've been experiencing, you know, uh, brain tumors or something in their head, that they'll get a smell, weird smells. That they'll say, you know, oh, is there this, I, I smell smoke or something, and no one else will. Um, as well as when people have a loss of smell um, that can be linked with, like, such things as Alzheimer's. But getting back to the Parkinson's, one I, thing that I never say, knew that about smell. You know, it's interesting. I, I always thought, of course, you never want to lose any of your senses. But I always thought, well, maybe if you had to lose one, that would be the least, you know, the, the, the one that you'd probably miss the least. But it really sounds like it's very important. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, what's something I always think was interesting that, um, you know, I feel like, you know, people always ask those questions of, you know, if you had to lose one, what would it be? And you, you always kind of think, oh, gosh, you know, I, I wouldn't want to lose. Uh, you know, the sight or or feeling or, or taste, but they really are all connected with it. And one big thing of, um, I mean, what they all serve a very essential, you know, reason. Um, one thing with smell is that without smell, we can't correctly uh, taste things. Uh, as you know, they always say, like, that test of that if you plug your nose and you eat an onion, it will taste the same as an apple. And, you know, your your body is so intense. That's right. That's things. right. And, you know, and it's, um, you know, it's a, a prehistoric thing of that why we can smell certain things is that we can, that way we can detect, um, you know, one smoke, but also if things are bad or rotten so we know not to eat them. Um, oftentimes, you know, you could eat something that could be spoiled if you didn't have that sense of, that sense of smell. But with that, that, um, the thing of that, you know, why smell is, is so important because, um, again, that it's a, a, a certain part of your brain that um, memory problems, you know, that usually they say is with the, the first, uh, the first sign of Alzheimer's really is um, that people start to have uh, trouble smelling or distinguishing smells. And usually the memory loss comes a little bit later. Um, so that's why actually you know, researchers in uh, Florida, they, detect, they um, created this peanut butter uh, smell test. And what it is is that um, many things, you know, can change smell over time. But peanut butter seems to have a very distinct smell and that um, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't seem to go bad. It doesn't seem to age or anything like that. Um, so what they have people do is they hold peanut butter away um, or they're holding it from a certain distance away and see, you know, when they can start to smell it or how far away, you know, what's the distance. When, they, when people couldn't smell it until it was about five inches um, away from them, that was sort of an early indicator. Doesn't mean that it means Alzheimer's automatically. If for their control study, that's what the, the focus was. But it could also mean that something, you know, neurologically as well is going on. And they also, you know, you have one stronger nostril than the other. So they tried, you know, different studies and other things. And 
something, you know, you could do at home is just, you know, it's, it's sort of hard to perform tests on yourself. Um, sort of like trying to give yourself a massage, you know, it never quite works. So the other thing is just get someone if you want to kind of play this game with them as well. Um, close your eyes, you know, ask, you know, your partner, whoever else is playing the game, to hold the jar about 12 inches away from you. Um, and then you start with one with your left nostril and plug in the other and then switch. And then slowly move um, the jar closer until the person is able to feel it, to smell it. I know some people right at 12 inches, right when you open the jar, it could be a little, oh, I could smell it. Um, and then, oh, but some people, if it gets closer and closer, again, it could mean something else is going on. So, again, these aren't, you know, um, studies that are going to give, you know, or, or even testing that means a direct link to anything. But they're sort of just at-home little little things that could be first-sign indicators. Um, another one, you know, in these studies or so on was um, – the wrist strain, that um, opening jar, they were calling it an, an open jar testing. And what that was is the likelihood in the future if you have difficulties opening jars. And now, again, this is always be screwed. I know you've had wrist problems before. I think you broke your wrist or, or, or certain issues. And I know sometimes I struggle, but I also know the little secret ways of, you know, banging it against the table and, and putting it under hot water. I find things. And, but people oftentimes don't think having grip strength um, is an important indicator of, of overall fitness. Um, but low grip strength um, is huge. It's actually associated with later year um, disabilities. And as we know in, in this world today that we're using our hands in different ways and mainly due to electronics and our grip is changing. We're gripping hard on things um, but not gripping, you know, in, a, in an accurate and a, in a correct and a comfortable way. So we're straining our wrists as we know that, um, carpal tunnel is, you know, all-time highs with things. So one thing they say to do is a physical therapist, um, you know, can often treat things like this. But practicing your trying to open jar, if you have a hard time uh, picking up a gallon of milk and walking across the room, or if you have a hard time turning, you know, getting a difficult uh, lid off a jar, or even just holding on to a frying pan um, by the handle, if that's causing, you know, stra- you know a strenuous kind of, issues in your wrist that could be, you know, a problem uh, leading up that you maybe potentially now need to start using some kind of braces or using, they have, you know, grip, little exercise ball things that you can um, intensify your grip strength with. So they recommend that, you know, if you have sort of a a dainty grip with things, um, that, you know, that you really could uh, start kind of working on these issues now, which is always I think the, the underlying thing that we kind of always recommend with any of these tests or anything that's going to project your health in the future is taking this advantage of it now of, you know, it seems that every day new information is being released um, on health studies on what you can do now. And the biggest thing is it's always better to be doing preventative things than treating things as they happen. And who knows by the time you even get to the ages where these things would be truly affecting you, um, there's probably going to be those miracle pills or, you know, new things out there to fix everything. Um, but the biggest thing is taking this thing now, taking, like, trying home remedies, um, you know, trying, and, and also, you know, as we say, avoiding, um, you know, doctor visits are great, and I feel like the, the great thing is to go when, you know, you really need to take, do your annual uh, exams, but also um, try to avoid, you know, to take multiple tests with things, as we know that sometimes you can be exposed to um, various radiations from it, um, over-testing. You know, they say sometimes when there's over-testing um, that they can get false positives, false results. I know that's a, a big thing um, 
for women's health care that, you know, especially when it used to be with, with PAPS, how they used to be every year and at 18. And right. They realize, now they're saying that you don't, you know, you don't need those every year. And some of the other ones that you don't need annually, like, you know, they said don't get those uh, yearly electrocardiograms or the exercise stress, uh, stress tests. You know, unless you really are having some issues because it you really could be having more problems by getting it. You don't need those nuclear stress tests either after any um, heart procedures and try to eliminate as many x-rays and CT scans and MRIs uh, unless you have an issue that's been going on for a long time. So this was great, Heather, really great information because we don't, we want to have tests that are necessary, but we don't need to become hypochondriacs or just take, you know, take so many tests that we, we actually make ourselves sicker (laughs) or think that we're sicker. So would you just wrap it up? Yeah, most definitely. As you were saying, uh, always consult your doctor before doing anything. But as you know, we're halfway. We're getting through the year now, and um, always make your health your first priority. We want you to go to BeTheStarYouAre.com as well as BeTheStarYouAre.org. And when we come back from break, we have such a treat for you. We have this effervescent Amali Howard, the author of many, many books, primarily uh, YA, young adult books. And she is so much fun. She will be with us when we come back from break. So stay with us. I am Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Whitney. And you're listening to us live on Voice America. We are on the Empowerment Channel. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. Be right back. Don't go away. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Be the star you are. Light up the flames that burns. Make a world of difference in a world of differences when you support Be the Star You Are 501c3, a literacy and positive media charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth. Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org to make a tax-deductible donation today. Everyone counts. Donate today. BeTheStarYouAre.org Be the lucky star you Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world. Lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR. 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 And visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan. www.cynthiabryan.com. Be the star you are. You are. 
plug in your headphones and tune in to enlightening interviews with acclaimed authors and success experts as our Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, gabs with the gurus. Lend us your ears for the Power Hour on Star Style. Be the star you are. Now, here's Cynthia Bryan. Find all you need in the light that shines. We know you have a plan for your life. You've set goals. You know where you want to go. And there's always detours. And that's where we come in, right here with you every week, bringing you the authors and the books that inspire, entertain, and motivate you. We want you to ignite your power and shoot for the stars. I'm Cynthia Bryan. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Well, Seventeen Magazine Summer Club author Amelie Howard grew up on a small Caribbean island in uh, Trinidad where she says that she spent most of her childhood kind of being a tomboy, reading books, running around barefoot. I mean, I grew up in California. I was barefoot, too. But she was shimmying up mango trees while I was in walnut trees. And she was just always thinking of adventures. Well, she traded all that in for writing, and her books are filled with adventure. She is the author of Bloodspell, Waterfell, The Almost Girl, Alpha Goddess, and the soon-to-be-released Ocean Born. Welcome, Amelie, to Star Style. Be the star you are. Hi, Cynthia. Thank you for having me. Well, we had so much fun on April 1st because you were a guest on our teen show, Express Yourself, and everybody loved you. Everybody thought you were just terrific. You had so much energy and so much fun, and you're just so creative. Now, you just got back from Paris where you were celebrating some big birthdays with your mom. How was that? Was that another adventure? I did, and it was awesome. I mean, Paris has always been like a second home to both of us, so we wanted to celebrate our centennial, so um, we decided to just go there for a week, just the two of us, and literally we just walked for six days. We just walked the streets of Paris, and it was it was phenomenal. You know, I just think it's so great that it's you and your mom, you know, that you're that close, because my daughter and I, were really close to, she co-hosts the show, she does a segment here on this show, and there's just nothing like it, is it? There's, you have a connection that just, you know, doesn't uh, come apart, and I saw that connection when I was reading your book, Alpha Goddess, too, because you had very strong mother-daughter characters. Tell yes. us about that. Yeah, you know, I mean, my relationship with my mother has been, I mean, everybody's journey is different. You know, it's up and down. It's a relationship. It needs work. We're all different people. I'm a young girl. You know, I was a young girl growing up trying to sort of assert myself. She was also a very strong, fierce, sort of independent woman herself. I mean, she had me at 20. She had a job, and she put herself through university all at the same time. So she really wow. was, you know, just an inspiration to me. So in my books, particularly Alpha Goddess, I really wanted to have a strong parental figure. Um, and the relationship, as you said, with the mother and Sarah, I just wanted it to be strong. You know, not. I've noticed that there's a lot of absentee parents in some young adult fiction, so I wanted to make sure that I included parents that were involved. And even though it's a fantasy story, they're still involved, and they want to be involved in their kids' lives. Well, and that to me was what was what intrigued me about this story, and I found it very interesting. And actually, both Bloodspell and in Alpha Goddess, uh, you created your main characters, uh, two female main characters, 
who don't fit in, they're considered different. You know, Sarah Jana thinks that she's gangly and ugly, but as we get into the book, we find out that Sarah Jana is a goddess, a real-life right. goddess, and in Bloodspell that Victoria is a witch. So this writing about strong female characters is something that I feel has been lacking in literature, and we need it more. So has your inspiration always been your mom or other women, or you just you just want to be fierce and you want to bring the fierceness out <laughs> in young girls? Yeah. You know, I've always been kind of like daring anyway, but I really wanted in my writing to bring a character that someone could root for and be like, yes, that's the kind of girl I would love to do those things, you know, just be dauntless and, you know, uh, brave and courageous, but also be vulnerable on the inside. So there's, it's, I wanted it to be layers, right? My character, I like them to be layered. Um, you know, and I mean, in terms of just strong heroines, I totally agree with you. I, I, I wanted to show that, you know, my character, she would need to have a, a strong sense of self, you know, know who she is, has to have confidence. I want her to be feisty and be spunky, but, you know, it could be like a defense mechanism to hide a fatal flaw. You know, she would be the kind of girl who definitely saves herself, right, but also doesn't realize that she may need saving. Um, like I said, strong but vulnerable. Um, and some of my inspiration has been, you know, my favorite heroines have been like Katniss Everdeen from The Hunger Games, Hermione Granger from Harry Potter, um, Anne Shirley from Anne of Green Gables, if we want to go I, back that far. I mean, I loved her. She I love so Shirley. I love, I love all of those characters. I, you know, those are all great. But I, have you ever been to Canada to go to Anne of Green Gables so you can see the little house and I all of that? I have not, and I would love to. Oh, my gosh. I used to pre- wish that I was Anne Shirley. I know. I know. It's really <laughs> interesting. Well, I want to talk about Alpha Goddess because... Your father, you had told uh, our teens on Express Yourself, and by the way, if you want to listen to that fabulous interview, you can go to expressyourselfteenradio.com and click on April 1st. It is celebrating cultural diversity, and Amali, I saw Amali, I keep saying that. You know, it's like when you know that you're not supposed to say something, you say it. It's Amali, even though it's spelled, it's spelled A-M-A-L-I-E, so Yep. Amelie was our um, our guest, and she talked about the the importance of diversity in life. But you had indicated that your father was from a long line of Hindu priests, so yes. it was those myths of your childhood that inspired you uh, to write Alpha Goddess, because you know it it's a story that came from the Ramayana, but obviously you've created some fiction in there too crafting your version it was so exciting the the i haven't read the ramayama but the the visions of hell were terrifying absolutely terrifying and yet sarah she had no problem in trying to go through those portals and she was just like on it because she cared so much about saving others right right yeah, I mean, you know, I've always been a huge, first of all, thank you. Thank you for saying that. You're just making my day. Um, I've always been a huge fan of Greek mythology, particularly the story of like Hades and Persephone. But you right. know, that story has just been retold so many times and I wanted to bring something new to the table. And 
you know, something that sort of evoked a similar feeling but was fresh and different. And as a child, as you mentioned, I was lucky to grow up in a different um, kind of household with my father being a pundit, which is a Hindu priest. Um, and so I grew up with a very different kind of mythology, um, one steeped in East Indian culture. And I was inspired by another tale of sort of not really star-crossed, but just really, like, just beautiful, it's a beautiful love story among the gods, which is the tale of Rama and Sita. And just briefly, like, the Ramayana is about... You know, Rama was an exiled prince, and he went to live in the forest with Sita, and, who was his wife. And then um, he was tricked out of his throne by, I believe it was his stepmother. And then a uh, ten-headed demon called Ravana came and kidnapped Sita and took her to this castle and basically imprisoned her, and he wanted to marry her. And then, of course, Rama, and he gets the help of the monkey king, Hanuman, and they... Um, you know, rescue Sita. So it's, that's just the really just bare bones of it. Um, and I decided to use that as a mythology for my story. So I wouldn't say it's a retelling. It's like a reimagining of what would happen if these two lovers met in a contemporary time within different versions of themselves. And that's what it, I found so fascinating because they, the guys had like these tattoos and the blue and the, you know, these ornate kind of um, imagery on their bodies. That was so contemporary, you know. Nobody right. would nobody would say, "Oh, well, gosh, they're from yeah. they're from another time period." But so, you're also talking about like it's sort of it's like it's reincarnation, but it's so the whole group of people, right. everybody that you created, they had lived in this other time, so that the mythology was truly real. Right, and traditionally, Vishnu is portrayed in the Hindu scriptures as a blue god. He's blue. So when I did the tattoos, I wanted to give it that modern edge um, and make uh, Dev, who is the incarnation of Vishnu, sort of uh, accessible to teen readers. Yeah, I was hoping that that Dev and Sarah would actually get together <laughs> somehow. <laughs> I mean, they just see, you know, he's such a good guy. He's such a good guy. That Although, you know, there's times you're wondering, okay, who's on what side? Right. But, while you were writing this, what kind of process is it that you go through? Because this is a, a big book, and it's just filled with lots of twists and turns and all kinds of, um, I don't know, well, the, I guess they're demons, the, these demons and monsters, and right. and you're so descriptive. I I really, I was really scared. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> Well, you know, the scary part with the hells that you mentioned, like, you know, and another parallel to, like, the Hindu scriptures is that, you know, Hindu mythology defines 14 worlds, right? So the earth is, you have seven higher worlds and seven lower ones, which are the hells, and the earth is considered the, se the lowest of the seven higher worlds. So what I did was I just wrote about those seven. I combined the first two and just wrote about seven hells. So, you know, I wanted it to be descriptive and very, like, evocative of, like, what, Sarah, if you were to put yourself in Sarah's shoes, what you would be going through with her. Um, and hopefully it sounds like I did that, so yay. Yay. No, you <laughs> totally, you totally, totally did. Now, I, when you write, that, you know, I mean, first of all, you began, is it, was it 2011 your first book came out and you're so yeah. prolific? I mean, there's five books out now and you've got Oceanborn coming very soon here where yep. that takes us back to, I don't know if you want to give a little bit of insight to it, but that's sort of um, taking you back to where you were on this little island, right? Because it's sort of a tribute to the ocean. Yep. Tell us yep. tell us what we're going to expect in Oceanborn. 
Okay, so Oceanborn is a sequel to Waterfall, which came out last November, and it is about um, an alien sea princess who basically decides that she um, doesn't want to be a queen and runs away to the human world, where she meets a girl who is my favorite person in the story because she basically tells her you can't run away from who you are and your people need you. So Nerissa, the protagonist, sort of mans up, basically, or woman's up and says, right, I'm going to go defend my people. And, um, you know, it's kind of like underwater dragons. If you want, I wanted to go take a different approach on mermaids. So Oceanborn, which is a sequel to that, um, there's a little more intrigue. She has gone back to Waterfowl, but now, you know, there's some stuff going on on land that she has to come back and save her consort, um, all the while managing the rule of this underwater kingdom. So, I mean, the parallels in terms of teen fiction is like I wanted to show, or for any teen reading it, you know, we all have a lot on our plate. It's how our choices, you know, the choices that we make, you know, what we do to kind of address each item on that plate, whether it's, you know, 15 different types of homework or, you know, a fight with your parents or, you know, something. Um, so anyway, I just went off on a little tangent, but yeah, well, I mean, no, that's it's, what Oceanborn uh, kind well, of is, that, takes off from Waterfowl. No, well, that gets me to the question of writing for teens or young adults, because your books, that is your target audience. What... Um, what 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 propelled you to decide that this was going to be your audience, at least for now? Because you also teach creative writing to young people, don't you? Yes. Yep. So is this like your favorite, I mean, is, is this like your your favorite age range? Or do you think that the most interesting stories are there? Because what I'm seeing these days in literature is that adults are flocking to YA books. I mean, you know, look at... Twilight, look mm-hmm. at um, yep. Hunger Games. These were all written for young adults, and yet everybody wants, them, wants yep. to read them. I think that's partially due to, I mean, I love YA fiction, and, you know, I just like the whole time of discovery. It's sort of a time of first, first love, you know, first a lot of things. First, first everything, you yeah. know, high school, you know, I mean, it's just, it's very intense. I don't know. I mean, when I was a teenager, everything was life or death. I mean, I was in love with my neighbor next door, a uh, boy, and he didn't know I existed. And I died every time I looked out my little window peeking from the curtain like a psycho. And, uh, you know, I would, this boy would drive in and I would just be like, oh, my gosh. I'm gonna oh, my die. God. I love him. <laughs> well, you know, that's something interesting, too, because we all go through all kinds of emotions and experiences in our lives. How much do you draw from your own life and then, you know, interweave it with the prince and the princesses and the wizards and the witches and, you know, the gods and the goddesses and the mermaids? Do you know, I mean, because you have all these like um, greater than creatures that are also uh, on the human plane. And so how many, much of your experience is, is in these characters? It's a great question. I mean, I think that there is definitely um, a piece of myself in each of the characters, or ideally I'd like to say it's pieces of myself that I would like to see. I mean, as an adult, it's easy to say that because, you know, I've lived, you know, 30-something-odd years. So if, you know, a girl has to face a choice and, if I were 15, I may have done something differently. But now looking back, I can say, okay, this is the choice I would want to make. You know, I mean, I would, I might make her go in that direction. So it is sort of tempered by the life I've lived. But um, I think my ideas for, you know, just 
coming up with a fully fleshed teenage character is from also reading other fantastic books. Um, you know, I get inspiration from watching movies. I, you know, I look for the character that I connect most uh, with the most. And that might be a very vulnerable, very, you know, uh, sort of wallflower character. I mean, um, or it might be somebody who's strong and feisty and, you know, wields a sword and, you know, doesn't need anybody to save her. But I also like the fact that you combine both of those characteristics in one person. You know, I mean, I look at Sarah. She, that whole idea of she was, she hated school because everybody was mean to her. Everybody thought yep. she was ugly. You know, she was long and lanky. And when she looked in the mirror, it was like, you know, disgusting. And then the reality is she's like the most beautiful goddess right. out there and so you really do combine it so you know as one she was really strong and as as the other she was self-conscious uh, self-conscious of, of the way she looked right. so I you find know, I, that fascinating I sign like my like I usually have these little taglines I sign my books with and with blood spell I was right be the exception not the rule I mean it's such a hard message like to tell a kid because they're like you know if their lives are tough and things are going wrong or something, it's hard to say, I don't want to be invisible. But one day, guess what? You're going to be so happy that you're not fading into the woodwork because you're special. And the reason a lot of people get bullied, you know, or, you know, pushed into a corner or, or attacked by other kids is because they are different. Um, so a big message, you know, I want to, you know, sort of convey in my books is, you know, be, be don't be afraid to be different. Be who, be you, who are. you are. Well, you know, it's we're just saying the same thing. That's exactly what Be the Star You Are. That's the charity that brings this radio show and express yourself right. to the airways. That's exactly what we propose. Is it, it you nobody is equal. We're all unique. We're all different. And that's the beauty of life and that's the right. excitement. And yeah. that's why we just need to be the star we already are because we already have everything we need. Right. You know, we don't we don't need to be anything else. And surround yourself with people who push you up, not pull you down, you know? Yes. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Because you know, um I know I'm I come from an acting background and it's always been said that it's so much better to give a big performance because you can be pulled down easily, but it's very hard to be pulled up. So if you surround yourself with people who are downers, the only place you're going to go is down, down right? because it's, it's just too hard to get back yeah. up. We are speaking with amazing author, um, Amelie Howard. She is the author of Alpha Goddess, of A Blood Spell, of Waterfell, and coming up is going to be the, is her Ocean uh, Born, and she's also has done The Almost Girl. And, and then the Fallen Prince is out. That's the, and the sequel Fallen to Prince. the Almost Girl. Okay. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay, so I've got to ask you this question then. You have only been right, or you've been published for like three years now. You have yeah. all these books. When you're writing one, are you writing another simultaneously? I mean, are you writing, you know, do you just have all these ideas and you start one and then you get into another one? Or do you write a full book, finish it, and move on to the next one? 
Yeah, I've had to train myself to not run after shiny new ideas because, you know, it's like, you know, the squirrel it's like the dog movie. You're like, squirrel, shiny right. new idea. Um, so I, I jot it down. I flush it out a little bit because sometimes a shiny new idea might not have the legs to become a full-fledged, full-fledged story. It can be mm-hmm. a short story, but it may not become a novel. Um, but I usually just try to say in one world at a time. So if I have edits, say, for one book, I reread you know, that whatever I've written just to get my mind into it. I don't work on anything else until I'm done with that. So right now I'm working on the sequel, The Fallen Prince, to The Almost Girl, which comes out in November. And, you know, that's all I'm working on. And how long does it usually take you then to write the full book? Um, a book usually takes me on average two to three months for the first draft. Um, I write pretty quickly. I try that to... That is so quick. That is unbelievably quickly. And you're working with different publishers, right? Yes. Yep. So that's amazing, too. I mean, is that... Have you found any conflicts as far as one publisher wanting one thing and somebody wanting something else, or... Has it just um, been really great with all the different editors? You know, my publishers have been amazing. I mean, they're all super, my editors are super supportive. They're all brilliant, brilliant, brilliant people um, who've only made my books better. And I think for like events and stuff where things may become sort of, you know, a, a scheduling nightmare, they've done everything possible to sort of, you know, make it happen. So it's been great. It's been challenging just myself managing deadlines with three different publishers, but you know, that's what you get for like being well, an overachiever, I guess. But you are you are living your dream, aren't you? I mean when yeah. you were that little girl and you were dreaming of all these adventures and you started having yeah. them, traveling to twenty some countries and then yeah. now you're truly doing what you love. You are yeah. a writer creating adventures for everyone else. So Well the funny the funny thing is I was actually published when I was twelve years old. Um, and, you know, writing was always, I won like a global youth writing competition when I was 15, uh, in the, in the Commonwealth, um, country. Wow. That's and, amazing. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, but it was one of those things as a kid where you were, you know, growing up and I remember taking a class and somebody kind of said, oh, your voice is, you know, I felt like her impression was my voice in my writing wasn't good enough. So at, you know, at 18, you're so unsure and insecure. I kind of said, okay, I'm not good. And then I just focused on international studies in French. Um, it's kind of like as a teen, I think, you know, you have to listen to your inner voice sometimes and say, I know I'm good at something and not let the external voices affect, you know, what you do. Because I think I would have been writing way sooner if I hadn't just quit, you know, at 18. But I think that what you just said is is really important because most of us do listen to those outer voices because the world right. knocks us down. Yeah. And it is critical to know yourself, you know, to thine self be true, right? right? So really know what you're good at. And also, it's been my experience, when you're passionate about something, then the doors start opening. So you just yes. have to keep on that passion and don't settle for second best. You know, I always like it when somebody has said, when they're so passionate, they say, I have a plan A, and my plan B is plan A. <laughs> right. That's awesome. You know? you know, so it's like we better we better just get plan A going. Right. Well, let's give out to your website. I know you are a busy, busy person, and you've got your, your next book you're working on, and that is AmelieHoward.com, spelled A-M-A-L-I-E, Howard, H-O-W-A-R-D.com. You can find out everything about Amelie there, see all of her different books, uh, find out what events, it's just everything there. 
But yep. I just love your books, and I just I love the way that that you write and that you're inspiring teens. From my perspective, I just feel that your writing inspires teens to be their best self and to not doubt themselves and to know that there's going to be detours on the roads. And you know, it's it's really all about jump over them, go through them, go around them, go under them, and make your own path. And right, and don't be defeated. Don't be don't defeated. Ever, never, jamais dit jamais. Right? Yeah. <laughs> jamais oui. dit jamais. Right. Well, hopefully you're going to have, you're probably going to have a French something uh, happening in Paris or something, I imagine, one of these days. Well, I hope so. I mean, well, Bloodspell, um, part of it is in it, Paris because that's where, um, you know, the the vampire contingent comes, sort of that's right. uh, comes from. And the sequel to that was just sort of an in-progress novel um, that happens mostly there in Paris. So. Oh, well, good. I was just thinking that maybe your last trip you got, you know, walking all those streets, there were little, there were things that were happening down some of those beautiful side streets. Oh, it is. <laughs> it's very inspiring, that's for sure. Always, always. Well, thank you so much, Amelie, for coming on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, and sharing your insight about writing and your books. And for everyone out there, go to Amelie. Howard.com. Pick up a copy of The Almost Girl, Blood Spell, Alpha Goddess, which is, that's really, really fun. They're all really fun. And um, all of her other books that she has and the ones that are coming. I forgot to say Waterfell. And of course, your ocean one will be out this summer. So great job. Keep it up. And I guess we don't even have to tell you to keep it up because you're just going to, you're like a river that's just... (laughs) flowing wildly yes as more like a steam train but yeah oh my gosh yeah, thank you so filling, much for having me cynthia you're you're amazing the oceans. And great questions it was just it was terrific so best of success to you we'll keep in touch and just you know keep on writing and keep inspiring because if we can get more teens to write and think outside the box and know that they're already right. okay that the you know the, the world will yep. be a better place, and I'm happy for anybody to contact me as well via my website with questions. Um, I'm open to talking with anyone, so feel free. And you can tell how she's so easy to talk to. So contact her, AmelieHoward.com. <laughs> Go to the website, type in your info, and she will get back to you. You've been listening to Cynthia Bryan on Star Style. Be the star you are. We're going to go for a romp in nature when we come back from breaks. Thanks, Amelie. And Thank all you. of you, don't go away. We'll be back in a bit. The star you are. The star you Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Do you know how important it is to never give up? Walt Disney was told that he lacked imagination and he had no good ideas. Thomas Edison's teachers said that he was too stupid to learn anything. And after an audition, Fred Astaire's casting people wrote, he can't sing, he can't act, he's slightly balding. 
He can dance a little. Well, we all know the rest of the story. These innovators never gave up on their dreams, and neither should you. They continued to believe and invest in themselves and their future. And like these industry giants, there's a turning point for every leader where you can settle or you can go for more. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. And when someone says no, you just say next. Remember, you are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For more information or to book a coaching session, call 925-377-STAR or visit star-style.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. and jumpstart your dreams with positive, life-changing interviews and star-studded conversations on our award-winning program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, hosted by the passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. Find all you need in a light that shines. Well, wasn't Amelie fabulous? You will love her books. They are just like rapid-fire fun And they're inspirational and encouraging at the same time, and they really help us uh, strive for our dreams, and as my business bite said, and never give up. And that's just the key to life, is never giving up. Well, we're going to go into the garden. Spring has sprung. It is really a lovely day out here in California, in Northern California, and I think around the country that everyone is experiencing a little bit of this beautiful springtime. But before we go into the garden, I just want to invite everyone to join me at the 13th Annual Earth Day and Wildlife Festival that's happening on April 27th at the Wagner Ranch Nature Area from 1 to 4 p.m. under the oaks and adjacent to the Georgette Huntington Bluebird Station. If you have any gardening questions, I will be there to answer them. I will be handing out complimentary bags of potpourri, and we'll have helpful gardening books and lots of um, fun things for nature. There's going to be scavenger hunts and live music and electric car tests and honeybees and sustainable gardening, etc. So, if you want more information, you can find it at uh, starstyleproductions.com. So we hope that you will uh, come and join me. Well, you know, William Shakespeare had a quote that April hath put a spirit of youth in everything. And that's how, at least I feel, we get into that mode of spring cleaning. And that means that cleaning up your gardens and your house and all of that. You know, beginning at age eight, when I was taught to drive, or both my brothers and sisters and I were taught to drive, it was our responsibility on our farm to water our crops, one plant at a time. And we started in April, and we continued throughout the warm months. My family were dry farmers. That means that we didn't have any source of irrigation for our fields. 
My dad built a stainless steel tank on the back of his World War II Willie Jeep. And every day, my sisters and I would pump water from the creek or the well until it ran dry into the tank. And then we would drive through the field, stopping at every vine or tree to offer a drink. Now, talk about tedious work, arduous. It was necessary, though, for the survival of our family farm. And even though sometimes the fruit isn't pretty from dry farming, it's always super sweet, delicious, and we're perpetually in high demand. So in another act of water management, my dad also snaked a washing machine hose to the asparagus patch, where after a long day on the tractor, we would just smother our aches in the warm mud. (laughs) Who needs Galistogo when you have warm mud, right, right from the washing machine, suds and all? Well, H2O is precious, and we never wasted a drop. So April is the month for some youthful romping and creative conservation. You want to get busy digging in the dirt because spring has sprung, and we do need to conserve our water because at least here on the West Coast, it appears that we are in another drought. So here are some things that you can do to make your garden grow well, and you can get out and do now in this month. Cut back all plants, vines, trees, and bushes that were damaged by the winter frost. It's time to prune shrubs that are scheduled to bloom in summer before their growth spurt. Like, for example, lilacs, um, tulip trees, they can be pruned after they finish their spring blooms. And other shrubs, you can prune them now before their bloom in summer. You want to grow hardy, low-maintenance cordylines, also known as festival grasses, in large containers or use in your landscape to provide splashes of vertical color. Uh, Don't forget to celebrate Earth Day by honoring our planet that is the supplier of life to over 7 billion humans, and that's happening on April 27th. Even if you just celebrate in your backyard, make sure to give thanks to Mother Nature. If you're suffering from arthritis, you may want to use seed tape as a quick and easy way to sow seeds If mobility is compromised, Burpee Park Seed and Territorial Seed are among the suppliers that you can buy these seeds in a tape at your favorite retailer. Watch your water usage. You need to be responsible with irrigation by watering in the morning or the evening and use gray water whenever possible. Now, gray water is is the water that you wash your dishes with or you take a shower and it's in the shower with you. So you can just keep a bucket in the shower with you, and I always have a bucket like in my in my sink. So that works out really well. And I just water my pots, and you can throw it on uh, you know anything outside. I wouldn't use it on edibles. Uh, take pictures of your spring garden to share with others, and use as a guideline for harvesting times. It's really interesting for those of you who've been following me on Facebook. You've noticed that I have been raising a baby squirrel that is now almost 50 days old, and he went from being this little pink, literally pink, hairless creature the size of my thumb to now he is a squirrel with a long tail. He's still a baby, still drinking, but taking pictures has shown us the progression. So it's very fun, and make sure you take pictures. Apply two or three inches of compost around perennials, trees, and shrubs. You're going to need it for the summer that the compost keeps moisture in, it keeps the warmth uh, at a certain temperature and the cold out. You want to skip tilling your soil unless you're starting a new bed. Uh, A new bed. Tilling has been found to be harmful to the beneficial microbes, the fungi, the worms, and the insects that help your garden grow. So you want to be careful there. 
pull or cut weeds as soon as they sprout. This will conserve water and it conserves nutrients for the plantings that you want to showcase. Continue planting your root crops of turnips and carrots and beets and radishes and potatoes. Do succession sowing because that keeps your harvest uh, hardy. You can attract beneficial bugs, bees, butterflies, and birds to your landscape by eliminating all pesticides and insecticides while providing a natural habitat for abundant food, shelter, water, and protection from prey. You can propagate drought-resistant, sexy succulents from cuttings. Plant your onions and chives and blueberries and lilies and dusty miller and alyssum and dianthus and oregano now. If you're growing lilacs and wisteria, it's really beautiful and it smells great, but it's only going to last a week or so, so do it now. Set out plants that you started indoors, um, and you can plant those now. If you are looking for the perfect rose that isn't in your local nursery or garden center, you might want to check out Edmunds Roses at edmundsroses.com. They have a huge selection of hybrids and grandifloras and florabundas and ground covers and climbing antiques and tree roses. Make sure to choose bird feeders that are appropriate for the birds that visit your yard and keep them clean. You can trellis a dwarf fruit tree for easier harvesting. Apple, peach, pear, plum, apricot can be trained to grow vertically or horizontally. And remember, you might need two trees because uh, that's pollinators. It's uh, Passover this week as well as Easter, so happy Easter and happy Passover. Fill Easter baskets for the garden lovers on your list with some essential garden tools and seeds, as well as maybe put some fresh eggs in there. And scatter seeds of self-sowers like Cosmo and California Poppy. So just swing into spring and you can feel like a kid again because our gardens are a bloom. And this earth is yours. Happy gardening and happy sowing. And thanks for being great listeners and allowing us into your life every week. Make sure you're always tuned to Star Style. Be the star you are every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific uh, for fun and advice and great books. You can change your life and make your dreams come true. For more information about Star Style Productions, visit star-style.com. If you want to book a, a coaching session, call 925-377-STAR. Make a donation to be the star you are. We need every penny. It's getting a little bit tough out there. Go to be the star you are.org. We want to keep the shows on the air. And we always strive to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate. So read a book this year and pick one of Amelie Howard's because she has some great ones. And you and your teens will love them. And until next week when we celebrate again, remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. Have a wonderful Easter and a wonderful Passover. And remember that you are a star. Thanks for joining me. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. Be the star you are. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program. Star Style, be the star you are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. 
And to make a donation to the charity, go to www.bethestarur.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic hosts, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are. You are.